It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Today, we have a guest once again from across the pond, Vivek Gargev of Caldera Associates. We will talk about the mechanics and philosophy of email marketing for beginners. Come and join us. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla espanol. Welcome to the show. In case you're a new listener, here is my backstory, and I'm sticking to it. I've been a consultant for small businesses for the last 25 years, helping small businesses implement customer relationship management software, aka a CRM system, where I learn their business processes and customize the software to help them gain an advantage in sales, marketing, or customer service. But there is more to becoming a success in business than just having a good CRM system. That's why I bring on guests to tell their stories and share tips on either technology, tactics, or trends they use to become successful. So let's get into it and introduce everyone here today. To my side is the producer, the star soprano, and she's my wife. Let's introduce Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, hello. And you may have heard this guy on previous episodes on our show discussing AI. He was once a microbiologist. He turned into a software developer, he turned into a consultant, and now he's a marketeer. From across the pond, let's welcome Vivek Garga from Caldera Associates out of London, England. Hello, good evening. <laughs> from London? <laughs> I've wanted to say that all my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? For the last 15 years, I have helped my clients set up email marketing, but it's been more of a tech support role. And it's effortless for me to delve into the technical deep end of how to get email marketing done. But if I believe if I talk about this, I will bore you all to tears because who really wants to hear about DNS records, SPF records, and DKIM records, and all that technical babble stuff. So what I did is I recruited Cynthia, Vivek, and ChatGPT to help me to discuss email marketing to those who are new to it. So let's get into it. So. Vivek and I are going to talk, talk about 
introducing the concept of email marketing. Why is this essential for your business or individuals? And so I'll start off with this, then Vivek's going to talk about this versus social media, because I know social media is more trendy and Facebook's got all the money in the world. But emails marketing is essential for businesses and individuals because at least in the B2B world, people still have email addresses and you can still deliver a personal message. But even though social media is awesome, talk about that in contrast versus email. Yeah, I mean, I think the the, the drive for everyone's been towards inbound marketing because it it is a, a lot cheaper. You're in more control of uh, of that. But I think you, businesses can't forget outbound sales and outbound marketing. At the end of the day, people still buy from people. People sell, you know, do business with people. So emails kind of like your first shot across the bow. It's kind of it can be seen as a little bit more of a formal way of communicating with people, but it's still a critical component of an overall marketing strategy for for whether you're a large enterprise, whether you're a small business, I think. All right. So somebody comes up to me and says, well, I just want to use my Outlook. And when I say Outlook, I say that in a generic context, whether it's Outlook or Gmail, or maybe there's a few of us out there that still use AOL, but <laughs> they just want to hit, put everybody in one big blast. Everybody goes either in the two mark and the two yeah. field, or you hit two yourself and BCC everybody. Hey, I just want to hit this once. It costs me yeah. nothing. And if I send out this message, it's like the, oh, actually, I'm going to take this retro. It, it, before I started getting email marketing, when I started the business, broadcast facts was all the rage. So, Oh. <laughs> that cracked down because you had documentation on the other end that if the recipient doesn't like you, they would just take that to the FTC and you would get slapped with a fine faster than you could say, oh my God, it's a lawsuit. So that shut down really quick. Let's talk about how email shouldn't be used in the way I just described it. So I want Vivek to kind of talk about a, a couple of bullet points. We have to go too deep, yeah. but a couple of bullet points of why I shouldn't do that. Well. I mean, we're old enough to remember the 90s. I mean, it was the Wild West when it came to email marketing back then. And, and I mean, snail mail, traditional through your letterbox marketing was still a big thing, junk mail. Uh, so email kind of followed on from that. And that's what people did. You know, they would, they would have their email client and they would do a mail merge. They could do it through Excel or through databases or whatever. Problem is... People eventually started getting really fed up of all the junk mail that was coming into uh, through the letterbox or in their inboxes. There was no escape. So you started getting the spam filters. You started sort of saying, no, this is uh, a spam. Now, obviously, things kind of moved on. What Google does and what uh, a lot of the uh, servers, name servers around around the world, they monitor the amount of times a particular domain is being flagged as spam. And this goes to uh, a term called domain reputation. Now, if Google or any of these servers decide that your reputation has plummeted so bad that you are uh, seen as a, a sender of spam, you're gonna be actively blocked by antivirus software, 
basic spam filters, Gmail, Yahoo, the works, your email is not going to get through. Reversing that, there's an industry surrounding that. that that's how expensive it is and time consuming. You have consultants, reputational consultants that reverse that. And it's not a pleasant journey to, to find yourself on. Luckily, I've never had that. Clients of mine have, and it's not pleasant. If you try this just out of hubris, and you, even though they're your clients and your prospect, and, you, and the recipients know who you and love you, it doesn't yeah. matter in the minds of the ISP. They'll flag you, or, or God forbid, somebody mm. you thought that liked you doesn't like you, they'll report you to the um, spam agencies. There's about 30 of them out there. Google's one yeah. of them. Uh, the other one I know is Spam Cop. But that's a sidebar. Cynthia's keeping us online. She's wagging the finger and saying, look, keep going. <laughs> so let's talk about what email marketing is. We're going to talk about email marketing as not just daily correspondence. It's taking a message and sending it bulk and why you should do it and why you and how you can do it well without falling into these traps. I know we started off in a scare tactic, but we have to differentiate what email marketing is and what it shouldn't be. So we're going to talk about why that's important. And then there's different types of email marketing. One is like one-off newsletters, or you can do coupon offers. Like if you're a pizza joint, you can send off an email. Hey, 10% off your next order if you <laughs> click here, right? Or if you want to get Domino's, you get yourself a Domino's coupon mailing list, and they'll send you Domino's coupons. Or somewhat regular emails are like emails that we send off talking about podcasts and our latest episodes. Or you're sending articles about your thought leadership in a certain industry. So that's what email marketing is going to be to us. And why should email marketing matter? Look, the return on investment is ridiculous. When it is placed well, According to the think tank called Litmus in 2021, the ROI is 36 times what you're spending on it. You got to take a look at that. And who, who else is returning 36 times your money? Your savings yeah. account? No. Real estate? Well, yeah, obviously more scale, but that's like, you know, maybe two to 3% or your save, whatever. Look, 36X, not bad. And the other industry stat I'll cite because we could go on and on and on about these. The last stat I got is 81% of B2B marketers claim that email newsletters is the most used form of communication, according to the Content Marketing Institute in the study as of 2020. I mean, I see email marketing kind of like where we were back in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, it's the traditional mail that comes marketing uh, mail that comes snail mail that comes into your letterbox. That's where email is now, I think. Right. So now we've established return on investment. We need Cynthia to keep us on the level here. So Cynthia, when she's not the producer here, she works at a local nonprofit. And what they need to do is they need to raise money. And they use a system called Keep, otherwise known as, what was the original name of Keep? Infusionsoft. And I totally forgot that until just now. So thank you for keeping me on the level. So they, at their nonprofit, they're using a product called Keep. And there's dozens of products out there. So we're going to stay as product agnostic as possible. And Cynthia is going to go over a few points on when you make an effective email, follow these be better practices. 
One thing I'll bring out about you mentioning just not sending out a, you know, throwing out the broad net, so to speak, in the ocean with your outlook is that you have to take in um, consideration, even your current customers or your current people that you communicate with have their own firewall systems with their own email servers. And even if you're sending something and they know they're expecting it, it could still go into their spam folder because of how you put certain uh, words in the subject line, or you're sending it to too many people through your Outlook. So it's never good to use Outlook for uh, mass communication or even for 20 people. Keep that to one-to-one uh, -one or two to three people. But if you're trying to increase your email marketing, then you need to look into systems like Keep slash Infusionsoft, uh, MailChimp, Constant Contact, and the reason that we use that for our e-communications is because they are set up to help keep our domain safe from being flagged as a spammer or to automatically go into junk mail. They keep us on the level when it comes to making sure all of our email addresses are correct. What are we doing with those people that have opted out from receiving communications, bounced emails? They're helping me to make sure our database of email addresses are uh, accurate and efficient in getting out our, our communications. We use it to not only um, inform people about fundraising opportunities, we also, it's our way we share people the good news through our newsletters of what we're doing in the community, successful fundraisers, successful volunteer opportunities, because we have a lot of people who love to volunteer. And in addition to just keeping them up to date to how they're their donations are working in the community. So for us to be able to do that, we have to, to be very vigilant about what's the content, how we write things in the email, the body of the email, and how we use the subject line, and just making sure that our email addresses are clean. And our service, in our case, Keep, will let us know when something comes up and, how, and we'll give us suggestions of how to improve it. It's gotten very savvy out there with email marketing. So you have to be very savvy in how you set up your system and making sure that you can keep yourself off of that bad list. So right. flag because you do not want to, like Vivek said, you do not want to get flagged as a bad domain because it's very expensive and very time consuming to get you off that list. Yeah, so let's break that down and, and I'll very briefly on about, there's about three to four components on that, actually five components. So an email, a subject line is key. Yes, you can spend an inordinate amount of time, but I'll add my tip. And then Cynthia, you got tips on your side because you do it from the nonprofit angle. I just make sure I don't have screaming everything in capital letters. You can't use the word free. You probably can't use the word mortgage or medicine or drugs in your subject line. Even if you're a, a distributor of medicine or medication and you're doing it on the legit, it's really hard to use those kind of words inside a subject line. So I know kind of know what's bad, but I like keeping it succinct and to the point. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have to keep it interesting. It's basically, they look for generic terms. We, for a while, for our newsletters would say something like, don't miss out on our latest information, things that we thought were very in innocent. And so we have to, we have to get much more tailored in our subject lines. I think another important thing is, uh, 
a lot of the emails started getting quite elaborate with images very heavy on that. Before the days of giga broadband, it used to be a, a, a real pain, especially if you're on your mobile. You're reading an email and three quarters of that data is some ridiculous image of, you know. It might not be ridiculous. It looks good for the graphic designer. Right. But not yeah. to us, to the recipient. Yeah. So, yeah. pro tip. Thing. Uh, and in addition to having a, a much more tailored subject line, like saying, because of your funds, you know, uh, this program was successful, that's going to get through more than just saying, new and improved information on our profit. Yeah. That's not going to go through as well. Also, the body is that you have to be, it's the quantity of images and links that embedded links that you have in the body of your email that also will cause a red flag. So you have to use everything sparingly. And it's just, it's the people in my marketing team are constantly researching what are the latest red flags so that they don't use those in the messaging and the images. And it's, it's a constant vigilance that you need to do. I know it makes it sound like it's really, really hard, but there are tools to help you out there and like AI, but there's also just platforms that you can go to that will say, this is what they're flagging lately, or here's, here's a good tip on how to write for this subject matter in an email and also how to set up your emails so that they're mobile friendly. Because you have to have both. You have to have your emails that can be read off of a computer, but also be able to be brought up on someone's mobile. As more and more people are using iPads and mobiles to communicate. And you have to make sure that that messaging, that imaging, that embedded link all work. So. I mean, I've seen that with the emails that I'm getting is that shift now from the pretty marketing emails, you know, which, which, which were beautifully crafted. Right. Now uh, it's straight text. We're putting together, uh, Mark, you'll be very happy to hear an email campaign with uh, my sales uh, manager, Graham. And the first thing he said, where when I sort of started talking about him very early on, he goes, uh, he didn't want any images other than the stuff that would be in his signature on those uh, emails. Yep. He didn't want... He didn't want the changing of the formats as Outlook strips out those images. He didn't want to uh, irritate any uh, user that might be reading it on uh, a mobile. Uh, so I'm going to add to that by, I've even seen this from really big brands. And what they do is you get this beautiful, I'm sure the graphics are beautiful picture. Mm. It will have this wonderful context and it might have a beautiful photograph in there. The challenge, what happens is on the recipient side, if that's the whole message, you put like the brochure front page and you make that the image and you think you're clever because you've already done it, it doesn't work because on the recipient end, if it's a big graphic, let's say it just takes 600 pixels wide by 1200 height, and that's your message. Outlook and Gmail, I, I use Outlook, so I don't speak as well on Gmail side, it will, by default, block mm -hmm. that image so the recipient gets one big red X <laughs> with a hint, click here to download the image. And then they so think, you know, they think it's legit. It does, it, whether it's spam or not, they're not even going to see, the, they're not even going to see your message. So 
let's talk about really briefly a minor, minor technical thing, but it's very important. So the reason Outlook and Gmail block those images by default is if you download that image or say click yes to see it, what happens on the other end is the sender now knows that you opened the image because you requested that image. All these systems mm -hmm. will track image requests. So you have to use that image carefully and balance. I tend to put smaller images next to text. I split it, ver uh, split it vertically down the page. So I don't make that mistake of having the image dominate everything. So, and if it doesn't, if you really need that big image, you can add alternate text to it. So you make sure if they can't see the image, at least you can write something behind the scenes saying, hey, we got a promotion going on. Or, you know, for our podcast, we'll just, our podcast mailing list, we'll say, here's the latest episode. So at least it shows something beyond just a big red X. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the good thing is that this discussion with regards to the content uh, and how we present the data is is actually one of the fundamental points within all, all marketing. Really, it's, it's kind of you have to think about the recipient, the the customer. So, the, I mean, it comes down to the the whole thing of the customer experience. You know, if you're not customer centric in your approach as, as a business. If you've got bad customer service, then you're not really going to get recurring <laughs> return uh, business. You're going to have a lot of churn. And that same premise extends out into outbound marketing or email marketing in the sense of you have to really focus on what's the message you're trying to get out and who are you targeting. So as long as you, and this is where it, it you know, it's gone very much back to basics and it is, it's tough. It's, it's not an easy, thing you know with seo there's lots of things lots of levers you can uh, twist and pull and adjust but we when it comes to email marketing like like we talked about you can't use the images you can't you know you can't control the formatting they may be looking on a some cl email clients force the, the email to come in pure text they strip out all formatting so even putting it bold kind of goes so all that you're left with is your core message and, you know, so it's, it can be uh, a force of good, but it can also be a force of chaos as well <laughs> when, you're, when you're putting together these kind of campaigns. Okay. And then I want to add one last thing we could put about composing an effective message, just the individual message. We're not getting into list building quite yet. I want to say when it's personalized, hey, all these email marketing systems can at least take the a first and last name field up to the system and company name and at least please put at least on the email message hello mark hello first name put something in there you can even put in some systems you can even put it in the subject line hey mark here's what's going on lately i i tend not to put it in the subject line and personalization mm. yes i'm sure my clients know since i'm a crm person that it's sent on mass, but at least you have the first name in there. And hey, once in a while, I'll throw in a company name or uh, when I do other personalization experiences, especially with contract renewals. So you can use email marketing, not to send marketing messages, but like, but renewals like, hey, your contract's coming due. 
here's how many people are signed up for the software right now, and here's how much your next bill is. We can actually mail merge all that data into an, a message. So think about not only the first name and last name, but you might think about contract renewal date, or you can put in how much your next bill is going to be. So that will resonate as opposed to an email that just says, hey, you got to pay up in 30 days. What are you going to do? No, we actually personalize it. So how much money's due, your account number's personalized. And I don't send it on mass. What I'll do is I'll have the template ready. And then if there's, there's always context before a renewal, especially on an annual purchase, mm. I'll add something personal in the opening paragraph and I send it off. Now I make sure that first email goes out, the CRM tracks whether they've opened it or not. And if they're down within 30 days and they haven't told me anything, my dashboard will tell me, and we can continually follow up to make sure, hey, are you in, are you out, or is there something else I'm not aware of? So that, yes, it's a very selfish way of bragging how I use email marketing, but this is talking about personalized experience and client retention. And Well, we use that as well. We have the one nice thing about a lot of these e-communication platforms is that do provide you with those statistics. How many people opened it? How many people actually went on the link inside the email? How many people unsubscribed due to that email? So that you can set up campaigns, as we call it in, in our Infusionsoft slash key system, you can set up campaigns that not only let you know who opened, when, how often, but also a follow-up email to those people that opened or follow-up email to those people that didn't. And this is where you get the technologies to work for you. But as we, there's so many ways for people to be communicated with these days, it behooves you to try to be as personable, accurate, and friendly as you can in these email campaigns, because otherwise it's going to go straight into their spam filter or the person is just going to delete it automatically. So you don't, you don't want to come across as a used salesman <laughs> and you don't want to use a lot of pretty pictures and things that are going to just people to open up your email. Yeah. Um, uh, I think one of the most uh, annoying things I've started sort of, it's kind of eased up now on the emails, people that are blatantly cold, uh, you know, sending out a cold email. I don't have a problem with that, but they try and be overly clever. And on the subject line, they begin with RE, colon, uh, to make it look as if they're replying, or an FW, colon, and then the subject. The thing is, whenever I... I... That's not personalization. That's chicanery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Thing yeah. is, basically, I, I, I do this as soon as I get that. I do a search for that sender. If there is no email where I've had that as a subject line before the RE, I don't even bother reading the email. They, they immediately get put as the main, as far as I'm concerned. I think everyone has become pretty much like this. You know, there's very, there's very low tolerance threshold now for nonsense, really. Yes. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM, a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue.
Well, during our commercial break, I had a little chat with my husband and he agrees with me that maybe the second half, we do more about what you can do to have positive email marketing experiences instead of all the do's and don'ts. So on that point, I will hand it over to my husband. All right. She, yeah, she really let me know in no, no uncertain terms. I was getting a little turning into a negative Nelly. So all let's, it's all out of love. That's right. So what we need to do is talk about some other somewhat technical things, but they're important. It's building a good list. We might touch the surface of cold email marketing. I think that's a whole nother tangent. As Vivek alluded to before the station break, can you do it? Yes. Should you do it? I think we've considered that it might be more of a last resort, but there are whole classes and consultants that could probably help you in that respect. But for now, we're going to stay in developing a list the traditional way. And we're going to talk about a couple of ways you can grow your list. One of them is very easy. On your website, you create a contact form. And you should put in there a little bit of language to say, hey, we're not going to spam you. The way I've been growing my list the last six months is I've just been going old school. I've hit the local chamber circuit and to, a, I think I'm in three networking groups at this point. And what I do is I have a process in place using my CRM. If I get a card, I don't always put them in the mailing list by default. I just have a checklist that makes sure I connect with them on LinkedIn first. I put in notes, find a real conversation. And I put in my lead source. I scan in the card and I send an email right away. Just one to say, hi, I'm Mark. Glad to meet you. Here's what I do. How can I help you? Here's how you can help me. And we build the list slowly. So the next time I meet them, if I get better, a better relationship, like real conversation, not just like throw, people throwing cards at each other across the table. I don't <laughs> think that's quite, I don't want them in my newsletter list. I did that by accident a little early and I got a couple opt-outs. And I think in hindsight, you know, all right, fine. So when you go to local networking, I think you still need to establish some kind of relationship before you go in there. So that will, that's a permission-based marketing. Cynthia, what can you add to that on your side in the nonprofit world? How do they building permission? Kind of the key word in our whole marketing campaign. How do we build, introduce, build, and keep that relationship with not only our volunteers, but with the agencies that utilize our services and also with our donors, both individual and corporate donors. And a lot of that comes to one-on-one -on -one meetings or networking, as you said, and then an introductory email to them with giving them the option to opt out. On our website, we have the contact form and people can not only subscribe to our newsletter, but they can list specifically what they're interested in so that we're only sending them information on those soft topics. So they're not just getting mass emails all the time. It's also having specific email campaigns for specific volunteer projects or some of our affinity groups. So you can tailor it to smaller groups and not just your general organizational email list. And then that way you get people really are communicated on the things they're interested in and want to be involved in. 
And that can be mainly, in our case, volunteering, loving to volunteer, wanting to get their hands on in the community. And sometimes that bridges over to them also becoming a regular donor or sharing the good news about your organization to other people who are looking for either donor op opportunities or volunteer opportunities or just want to know more about what's going on in their community. So it's, but all, it's all based on that relationship and giving people respectful ways of either continuing that relationship or ending that relationship. All right. So now Cynthia is getting us into the positive side. You know, after that station break, I am changing my tomb and getting out of the doom and gloom. I'm always there so, to guide you, my dear. That is correct. That is correct. We have a lot of philosophy set up and better practices set. I'm going to dive in. It's more not a terribly deep dive because that, again, at the beginning of the show, I didn't want to get into super tech. But I do want to mention a few platforms that we know of, a couple that are really cheap, and then maybe some metrics you can look at to say, hey, this was a good campaign or not. And if there's any concrete campaigns either, either of you have produced, let, let's discuss them. So there, oh, first and foremost, I think there's like 100 plus platforms out there for email marketing. You know, I'll go over through a couple big name brands. One household name is becoming more of a household name is called MailChimp. That is because Intuit, the owners of QuickBooks in the United States, bought that platform probably within the last three years. And when you're a billion dollar plus company, you can afford to throw adverts on television. I think it's even during a, I'll call it regular TV show like American football or sports event. And I'm starting to see MailChimp commercials. That's crazy. Mm. MailChimp is out there. We're a partner of Constant Contact. They've been, they were really innovative probably at the beginning in the late 90s. They were one of the beginning. Uh, we are partners with them. It's, they developed a really nice, easy to use interface and a lot of integrations. Most CRM systems will have something it's not going to be full on as robust as a MailChimp or Constant, but it will help you facilitate mass emails to targeted audiences because the CRM can take data like ID, your category is a customer. And if they're in a certain state or a province or a county and you have permission to talk to them about a certain topic, the CRM can take that data quite easily and then punch it into a mass email campaign. And those products may have some simple metrics as well. So again, the C check your CRM provider, make sure, ask if they got something so you don't have to take that data and take it from system one and re-import it into system two. Uh, one other product I'll mention quickly, it's been in one of our previous shows. We actually threw it up in our UK office for a bit. It's called MailJet, like as an airplane, or as they say in the UK, aeroplane. And it will, you can use that and it will send 200 messages per day for free. So there are plenty of platforms out there. That is not the objection to getting things done. Pricing is cheap. You can start, like I said, MailJet starts for free. You can get stuff starting at like 10 bucks a month. So in our UK audiences, probably, you know, 10 pounds maybe, and you can get something started. Some other metrics I'll talk about are tracking. So if you get a campaign 
going out there and you get, let's say, t- over 20, 25% open rate, that's not bad. Even though we talked about the doom and gloom of all the images blocking everything, if you're getting 25% open rate, that's good. Uh, click rates, I there's a few people out there with a few different answers. If I'm getting over 2%, I consider myself pretty yeah, lucky yeah. and pretty happy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, lots I, of platforms I, out there and, you know, shoot for those kind of metrics. So I know we've gone a little bit in the don'ts side of do's and don'ts of email marketing, but I, I need Cynthia to keep us on the positive on what's a better practice when it comes to timing, frequency, and relevance. I think we've talked a little bit about avoiding spam, but let's start getting into frequency and relevance. Well, one thing about that that you can do that's helpful is to have an actual separate calendar of all your marketing outreach, whether it be newsletters or your emails, and to really make sure that you schedule them monthly on top of each other and that your clients aren't receiving multiple messaging from you per week. You'll get a lot less opting out or unsubscribe requests when you are much more selective of how often you communicate with those people so that they just don't feel like you're sending out a mass email every week. So we've we've done that at my organization. We've learned a lot of do's and a lot of don'ts, and we find it most impactful to communicate with the whole organization because we have different departments that need to communicate to different audiences. And so we have a a marketing calendar that's specific to just that so that we're not overlapping communications and we get much better uh, responses from our uh, constituents for for doing that. So that's a good thing. And also just, again, having someone who researches regularly on spamming practices and making sure you're not using keywords or images, too many images in the body of your email and really being a more savvy about what you put in your subject lines. I think uh, uh, one of the important points that yeah, you made just before as well is that, and it's the same right across the entire marketing board, you have to constantly change and evolve to the market and you have to do what, I mean, uh, the marketers talk about is A-B testing. So what might be uh, a really bad campaign today may actually work tomorrow. You know, and this is why TikTok is such a difficult platform for marketeers to to work on because it's really hard to predict what these kids are going to be into. And it can change on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I've been following it, you know, for for, for a little while now, but uh, TikTok that is. But I think the core message is you have to, you have to be willing to change and adapt And you have to be able to do that on a penny. And this is where the A-B testing comes in. And I I think you were alluding to that as well, Cynthia, you know, of uh, just trial and error. Try, uh, you have a campaign. Let's say you've got 100 people you're going to send out that email to. 50% get one type of wording. 50 get a different type of wording. Try, send them out, see what comes back. For the next uh, uh, 100, switch them around. Send that out. Go to and if you have friends or family that you like to use as your test audience. We do that amongst the staff. We'll send out testing marketing campaigns to make sure that, first of all, it's uh, re- it's comes across. They can open everything. 
that it doesn't no go broken links. <laughs> you know, that everything that we want to work or any kind of response group on that communication actually works both on mobile devices and your computer before we send it out to our, our actual audience. Yeah. Well, now that we're one other thing I want to touch briefly, I might've touched it a little bit before the break or somewhere. I, I'll address it quickly and I apologize if it's too much of a repeat. Buying lists. We've considered it, but we approach it very carefully. If you're going to do that, if you're using a constant contact or MailChimp or whatever, I would test that on a super small space, like 25, 50 at a time, and just see what messaging works. If you send one bat, you, you, you want to, in your dreams, you think you have the best email in the world, and you send that out to a thousand people that are cold, <laughs> and you get a 900 opt-outs, you know, you never know. So we're a little, we, we have considered it in the UK market a buying list. We're, we're trying a different tactic now. But we, I would say, if you don't have to buy the list, let's not. So with I that said, you oh, go ahead. Not had good experiences buying lists, and we haven't. That's not really our practice. But when we were doing a large a traditional mail campaign, not using our email marketing, we were given two lists to use and hope to help us. And it was a waste of time. We got so many return pieces of mail and you just don't know how old those lists are. You don't know who's putting them together. You don't know. Uh, I just think it, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth of the receiver. So, we've had the, uh, we've had the uh, mixed results. We, we've had uh, mixed results from, from data providers. I think we're in the UK, we've got the GDPR. I don't know if your listeners would be aware of that, but the, the GDPR is a European ruling and it's on uh, with regards to data privacy and just sending out cold emails. It's to put it simply, it's basically don't <laughs> to quote Biden. <laughs> if, you're thinking about, yeah. if you're thinking of sending out a cold email to Fred blogs, just don't because it can get really, really expensive for you as the organization, not only from a domain reputation perspective, but the, 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 the data commissars will come down on you like a ton of bricks. But I think for us, we're predominantly B2B, business to business. It's a little bit more relaxed. So we have brought in data and we've seen sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And again, I think it comes back down to where you're getting the data and it's really again that's really difficult we've purchased data from uh, providers that have pr traditionally given us really good data now they're sending us bad we've worked with really large companies like experian or whatever and just had the most atrocious experience uh, with them so it, i think it's really when it comes to data it's very very difficult to say you know one one rule rules them all i think it's you know very much like the kids sort of say, your results may vary. But if you're able to create your own lists, like you were sort of saying, well, you know, from going out, doing doing the hard work of going to the networking sessions, doing the networking on things like LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera, building those relationships, then you know that the people that you're actually sending out the email to, they know you. They're interested in what you've got to say. The, the probability of your email campaign succeeding 
so much higher. I mean, and this leads on to another sort of topic. Sorry, I'm monopolizing here, but uh, you know, what's the next step from from email? And I think I disagree with uh, that kind of uh, viewpoint. I think all of all the components, and I've uh, sort of been sort of alluding to this throughout the conversation, really, is all the components inside of any kind of marketing strategy or campaign, they're all linked together. And this is one of the things that Michael Boyan talks about a lot, is that you have to be, have to be consistent in, in your communication with, with anyone, you know, whether they're a customer, whether they're a prospect, whether it's a lead, whatever. So it, it's a linking up your sales and your marketing and your customer service whether you're a single person or whether you're spread across teams, that has, there has to be a consistency. And I think this is, again, where email really shines through because when you're communicating to somebody via email, it's a very pure conversation now because you, you're, you're not able to use the whiz-bang eye candy that you can with, say, a Facebook advert or with your website or a landing page or whatever. It's, it's down to the core message. So what it allows you to do is to focus on your business and what you want to communicate out to, you know, and, and you can change that communication to the particular target as well. So one of the interesting conversations we were having just before we started the recording, Cynthia and I was about... You know, it used to be when we first started using emails back in the 90s, you started with dear Mr. Blogs. And then you would it'd be a very formal kind of uh, conversation as if you were writing a letter. And now it's very much like, hi. And you don't even say the person's name but sometimes, you know, or at least I don't. I just say hi. And then, then I go straight into it or I, I may end my email rather than with best regards. It'll be like, cheers or thanks. Or, or whatever and it is there's an evolution i think uh, uh, and it's fun to sort of see it as a, an ex-technologist that uh, we're seeing the evolution from language coming back and Im impacting on our technology whereas you know it's always been the technologies impacted on our language you know so we we kind of say oh google it for searching and stuff but now it's really funny that it's going the, the other way which i think's quite quite good but so yeah. what do you, i we're using some of the tools actually to create this show and some email campaigns you see and we did other shows on this but we'll keep it very brief what other trends do you see with with email marketing one of them were do one of there's two of them that i see that are more relevant one automation Hey, if somebody's not ready to buy today, tools like MailChimp and Constant Contact and Zoho campaigns allow you to automate touches. So if somebody isn't ready to buy today, but they may be ready a year from now, because some industries have that long sell cycle, you can actually schedule emails to go out every three months or yep. whatever time frame you want. So that's one trend we're watching. And Vivek, I think you've alluded to this. I want to hear a little more about you when it comes to social media. It's not an either or proposition. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. It's a little of both. I mean, I, again, we have to credit Michael again, because he kept pushing us to do socials <laughs> and it took, I think six years for it to get into my head. 
And for those who don't know, Michael Wollen was their marketing and is continues to be their marketing guru. Yeah. Shaman. Yes, shaman. shaman. That's a nice word. Yeah. Moving and... from just being technical wizards into being marketing wizards. Yes. It's true. You know, marketing, relationships, social media, it's all interconnected today. You have to use it all. You have to have a consistent message and you have to build those relationships to keep the communication open and people wanting to continue with your business or being interested in um, hearing your story. I find that a lot of the emails, cold emails that I get that make it through my spam folder are trying to be too familiar or too tricky or too trendy. And you don't even really know what they're trying to solve or do. And it, they immediately get deleted. So I think it's important that you invest more time building those relationships and you'll have much more effective communications and results from your email marketing than just sending out huge mass emails to people you don't know. So with that, how, in the end, Cynthia had a talking to me at the break. How can we get somebody started on something positive in small? I'll suggest my idea, and then you both can come out with something that's uh, relevant. What I've told people, at least a lot of my clients were trying to re-engage a, a client, a prospect list or a client list that hasn't been talked to in ages. And that's it. We did this actually a couple of years ago in, in our office. So what I did is I wound up making very small campaigns, 50 people at a time. Hey, what's up? We're glad to hear from you. Here's what's new at our company. So we did very small efforts. You don't have to go all en masse. You don't have to hire a designer from the beginning. I think you can start small with something like products like Constant Contact and MailJet already have graphics suggested for you. I think even Constant Contact is starting to integrate some AI tools to help you even suggest some subject lines. And you can use ChatGPT, even the free version, to start creating the words. So what are your thoughts? I'll let Vivek go first. AI is 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 impacted on all aspects of digital society, I think, now. So yeah, it, it's certainly playing a real, real role. I mean, we, we, we use Zoho in all our systems. So sadly, a lot of our emails that we get as well are a customer service uh, requests. So, you know, a client is having a problem with X, Y, and Z. So uh, uh, quite an interesting use of AI that's built into our customer services module is it actually works out the sentiments of the email. Is this user sounding really angry? <laughs> Are they getting really impatient with this particular problem? And then it'll bump up the priority for that particular user. So it's something that you were talking about, Mark, is, is the, the increasing amount of automation that's involved with all, all the various channels. So, you know, I remember when I was getting into the whole marketing bag, I used to laugh at the crazy words like omni-channel. What does that even mean? But the thing is, it's starting to make sense to me because as a business, you have absolutely no idea where a prospect or a customer is going to be trying to get hold of you. 
and they're going to try and get hold of you in a channel that's most convenient to them. And I think that's the big change we've seen right across uh, the board. And the technology, I think, has had a, an impact on that. Uh, I think mobiles as well is, is, is a big driver in this. In that, If it's more convenient for them to reach out to you via Twitter or X or send a message to you via LinkedIn, or they'll just ping out a quick e e email, you need to be able to respond to them in by their favorite channel. So we have even had a client send a request, an email request for support, but asked us to send uh, or contact them back by their mobile. Now, you know, that's that's a fairly common kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, it's, it sounds ludicrous, but it, it's a totally sensible thing. You know, uh, if, imagine if, you're, if you've got your Windows machine, which kind of happened to me the other day, and it's bust you need the technician to fix it there's no point in them phoning you on your VoIP because it's not working with your machines dead so <laughs> so i think with, with things like email and the social channels automation and uh, ensuring that you have, as an organization are monitoring all of these and i think that's fundamentally what omni-channel communications really comes down to is that you can't just say one thing if you're doing one thing great that's it you can ignore everything else unfortunately you have to keep all those plates spinning all right Something. so for other resources of learning there are plenty of them out there i'll just i'm just going to cite two you, you could go to actually three places go to mondocrm.com you can do a search for marketing you can also go to Caldera's website, which is caldera.com, C-A-L-D-E-R-E.com. Vivek has posted a lot of articles on marketing and social media and all its impact. Another great resource is a company called HubSpot, and they write tons of articles. And they'll even write articles, not necessarily endorsing the competition, but they say they stay fairly product, product agnostic on what's out there and what the trends are. So there's definitely plenty of resources out there. And by the way, we are reaching the end of this hour. So I'd like to thank Cynthia for keeping us on the level, off the mic and on the mic and on time today. <laughs> You're very welcome. I love doing it. And I'd like to thank Vivek for joining us. Oh, it was a very last minute piece. And Vivek, thanks again for coming in at the final hour. No, thanks for inviting me. And it's, I always enjoy coming on and uh, chatting with you. So, If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or live stream at www.wvlp.org. And we store the past shows on Mark's website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up and you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. And the show is now on YouTube. Just search for Mondo CRM or Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo and the episodes will come up on your YouTube feed. Thank you very much for spending time with us today, and we look forward to joining us again next week.